Hi, hello. Welcome to another episode of Isaiah's Newsstand. It's your host, Isaiah Edwards. The date is September 17th, 2022. Hopefully you've had a great weekend. Hopefully you've had a great week so far. I should have started that way. Flip it, reverse it. My bad. But yeah, hopefully you had a banger. Um, I'm going to just, you know, obviously go into the me corner like we often do. And my birthday week was really good. I had a good one. So yay! Let's see, I'm going to do a little breakdown, so, you know, sorry if, you know, you came here immediately waiting for some news. I'm probably going to gab for a little bit um, about my life, (laughs) which, I mean, I feel like is kind of, like, integral to this podcast since my name's in it. Let's see, let's go. Um, You know, I like to talk about food, so let's talk about food. Well, Wednesday was the, no, sorry, Tuesday, gosh, gosh, I'm getting old, guys, 32. Um, Tuesday uh, was my birthday. It was pretty no no action. Nothing happened. Uh, I just worked. I did a normal day. Let's see. It was kind of funny because I think people are I think people are pretty hip to know that I I tend to call off a decent amount. Like if I'm not feeling it, I'm not coming in. And plus, you know, it's it's your birthday. I feel like a lot of people like to call off on their birthday, have their day off. But my logic was, well, why? Like, what am I gonna do with my day? Like, there's nothing to do. Also. I had loosely kind of remembered and thought about, like, we have, like, a little attendance bonus thing going on at my job, so it's like, I might as well show up and do that. Um, so, that's kind of how it should go. I was like, it's just gonna be a normal, normal day. Normal Tuesday, at the job, do my thing, go home. Let's see. I did cook a, well, you know, you know how I did, a little bag thing I cooked. It was like a pot pork roast or something like that. And I did that with, like, rice. So that was nice because I haven't had that, you know, before. I will say the pot roast I did before last week. I didn't talk about this probably, but that was a banger. That was really good. Uh, let's see. Other foods. Because then I went out. I had a friend. And they were like, hey, you know, we can get cheesecake. And I was like, what? Oh, my gosh. So I was really stoked about that. I was really hype. So we went to the Cheesecake Factory and I got, um, I mixed it up because I noticed, one, they didn't have my California cheesecake anymore, or whatever it is. And I was like, wow, that's, uh, that's pretty fucked up. You guys have all these fucking foods and you took off my thing. But maybe they've been remixing them and you maybe they always have been kind of slowly rotating it. I don't know. Uh, but I was like, fuck it. I'm really not, you know, I'm here for the cheesecake tonight. So let me make sure I have a belly for it. And plus, I don't know if you guys have picked up on this yet. If you've listened to the pod, you know, if you, you know, you're a loyalist, if not, you know, it's okay. But I am a pretzel bite slut. Definitely. Like pretzel slut in general. Uh, Actually, like, don't get me wrong. Bites are cool because, you know, it's just more effective to eat. But I do love it. Just a nice traditional pretzel, you know, and you can give me some beer cheese. Let's go. Now for Cheesecake Factory, I'm going to give them some dings. I will say I didn't like them on site. It wasn't something that I was like, I don't want to like even post this. I don't even really like, I'm not enjoying it myself. Now, granted, they were salted. They were just in little ball form. So this is kind of where I'm like, yeah, pretzel bites. I get it. I understand. But they were just like spherical. And for some reason, I just, I wasn't digging that vibe. And then plus they gave me fondue. And I don't think I've ever actually had quote unquote fondue. So... It felt like a very odd way to have it where it's just presented like a cheese dip. And I mean, that's what fondue is. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not dumb. Not that dumb. <laughs> but, 
I just thought I just didn't enjoy the presentation, and I honestly really wish that instead of fondue, you just gave me beer cheese, you know? But I will say it was good, and uh, there was a spicy mustard that they gave me on the side, which I love a good combination of cheese and mustard. So they hit they hit the spot. Let's see. What else was at the Cheesecake Factory? Oh, the cheesecake. Duh. My bad. I got a salted caramel cheesecake, and it was nice because I served it with, like, some whipped cream, and then the crust bottom was, like, a blondie brownie. And I was like, let's go. So I was very satisfied with that. Uh, the next thing I did the following day, right? Was it Thursday I did that? Yes, Thursday. Thursday I... um had gosh what did we go? I went out to Dingle House and instead of getting the egg rolls and instead of getting the pretzel bites which is a clutch thing because I already had just gotten pretzel bites the other day I was like let me finally get these fish and chips for the queen why the fuck not so we I did that I got a half order of fish and chips also I got a stoli mule and that was pretty good I had been wanting to have one for a while, and and I will say they're pretty good. It, I, I really don't care what vodka's in it. It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> Whatever. But the fish and chips were good. I will say, what is it? I, I posted a picture of it, and my friend, they hit me up, and they're like, so uh, did they season that? And I was like, you know I had to season that. You know I had to put some salt and pepper on <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, hey, what is that? That's that's just classic, you know, UK tradition, right? I don't know, I don't know, but it was good. I enjoyed it. It was yummy. Had a nice tartar sauce and some coleslaw, which I like some coleslaw. So, yee yee. Ah, uh, let's see, let's see. I got one more meal here, and then we can kind of get into the news, and I'll I'll wrap it up. <laughs> uh, we I went out with a friend, and I got. It was like in round two, we were initially just going to get a drink, and I was like, awesome, that's cool. But we wound up getting food since we were in the area, uh, and it was this place called Dope. So it was D-O-P-E, exclamation mark. I feel like the exclamation mark is important. I've been like saying that, as and I'm like, oh, it feels weird, whatever. And unfortunately, they didn't have bao buns. Apparently, um, here's a news update, they, there was a bao bun shortage, so people are struggling for the bao buns. And I was like, okay, well, that's a bummer. But I wound up ordering a six-piece of Korean barbecue wings, which were delicious. I will say they had this, like, lemon grassy thing on there. I could have taken or leave, left that, but it was fine. I ate it. Then um, I got a banh mi, pork, ba- pork belly banh mi, which was mm, delicious, delicious. They also didn't have beef. They ran out of beef, so that was kind of a, a bummer. But, you know, we made do. And uh, I got an egg roll, which was a little bit highfalutin because it was a $5 egg roll. Essentially $3, I believe, for just a raw egg Well, not raw. It was just a straight egg roll. But the sauce that they kept, you know, asking us to get, I don't know. I can't even remember exactly what the name of it was. But I guess it was like 2 bucks. It was nice. It was definitely something like if I could have like had it on a salad, it was good. I kind of used it a little bit extra on the sandwich. So, overall, it was a good meal. Enjoyed it. Also, I got this uh, sake. It was like little sumo sake. So, I was like, all right, this is cute. This is fine. So, I enjoyed that. Had a uh, vodka Red Bull for my drink later on uh, for inquiring minds. I like vodka Red Bulls because, like, it does the thing where, like, if you're tired, 
you know, at the end of a night or whatever, and you're just ready to get started on drinking. I like that as an opener because you get a little pep. You get a little, little, little pep in your step, and, you, and it's vodka. So it's like I don't do too many mixed drinks outside of, like, Marg's, but that's what I like to go to. So that's an Isaiah tip for you if you'd like to take that. Um, intimation, yeah, I'm 32. Um, I don't know. I'm trying not to be, like, the morbid 30-year-old who's like, oh, yeah, this is, I'm just getting older, blah, 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 blah. But um, definitely, like, it's, it is nice. And I feel like where I'm at in life, I'm really trying to, like, get to a more stable point. And, you know, I feel like in a lot of ways, though, I've found myself in a lot, in a, in a lot of ways, I guess I could say. So I, I, I don't hate it. I don't, <laughs> I don't hate it. I will say I definitely find myself saying, oh, I'm in my 30s. I don't like saying the exact number anymore, and I, and I feel that I feel that vanity kind of creeping in. But um, <laughs> all right, I've I've kept you waiting long enough. We can get to now the the meat of the podcast, you know, the news. So we can you know cover some stuff. Uh, wanted to start in Ukraine, like usual, like usual. Uh, let's see, this is from the BBC. Uh, Ukraine war. Hundreds of graves found in liberated liberated Izum city officials. So this is um a lot like the situation that happened in Bucha. So you, you know with the the eastern I think it was northeastern pushed to be kind of more exact. They you know liberated some areas apparently like. Russia's definitely been trying to kind of save face with it and saying, like, hey, it was like a regrouping. It wasn't even like a retreat. Like, we realized the situation and we were leaving. But there's really nothing strategic about it, it seems. You know, there was a lot of left, you know, like, munitions. A lot of, like, you know, I think tanks were left. Pretty much the Russians were caught flat-footed on the run. And, I mean, that's kind of a big deal to note, at least in terms of, like, hey, that's a big win, right? That's a W. But... In the city, and I think Azum has been a highlight because there was more than 400 bodies who were found in the city who, you know, were tortured. Some were also, you know, died, you know, via like the shelling that had happened on the city to take, you know, in terms of taking it over. But essentially, you know, Russian soldiers, you know, came through and became the de facto law. And, you know, a lot like Bucha, it was just just a lot of wholesale, just, I mean, I, for lack of a better word, depravity, like, it was just really fucked up shit that happened. I know some of the stories I listened to on the BBC podcast was they had, like, I think turned a school or, like, you know, a certain area into, like, a kind of camp, like, a military-type camp, like a base, and they had had um, people, like, in interrogation, like, torture cells, more or less, and... Throughout the day, they would cut out the AC so that you could hear the screams, you know, throughout the whole building. And this was just going on and on and on. And, you know, there, of course, there's a people in who are in hiding, you know, hoping against hope that there was going to be some kind of, you know, plan and something that would happen. And, you know, luckily it did. But, I mean, just a lot of intense shit. I mean, they came in and there was, like, crosses with numbers and they're now going through the process of, you know, exhuming bodies and, you know, taking, you know, f- you know, records of this stuff. And, you know, a lot like the Bucha thing, you know, 
there's going to be like, you know, monitoring parties trying to come and, you know, document all this stuff. I mean, all this is going to add up for the whole war crimes conversation. But I mean, it's definitely one of those things where it kind of shows how bittersweet these moments are. Like naturally, this is a really good thing for Ukraine that, you know, they've caught, they've captured this territory again. They've, you know, reclaimed it. But, you know, now wading through all this stuff is just, it's intense shit. It's really, it's really sad. Um, let's see. I don't know if there's anything else I want to cover before I moved on to the other half of the, you know, Ukraine, Russia stuff. No, I think we're good to move on here. Let's see. The next bit I got from CNN World. Putin concedes China has questions and concerns over Russia's faltering invasion of Ukraine. So, try to give you the long short here. Essentially, Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping have met at this summit. Let's see what it's called. Uh, Shanghai Cooperation Organization Summit. And it is in Samarkand, Uzbekistan. And they met on Thursday. Essentially, they talked about a lot of the issues at hand. Naturally, a big issue is how is the war going, or not the war, according to, you know, Russia. uh, How is the special invasion going? Because obviously this is making big play every day you can learn something new about what's going on you can check in on live coverage on what's going on in ukraine and these kind of pushes especially now too because once i don't know if you know you remember if we take it back to you know the start of the year you know before the even the you know invasion took place like in january the conversation really was like once winter sets in like look, there's no movement. You need to make these decisions now or you're not going to make them. And sure enough, they, you know, Russia took a little bit more time than expected, but they did make a move in February. So essentially, here we are now around like what, month seven, we are moving towards the winter. And that's becoming a real thing. And, you know, Ukraine has made this push to really show relevance to show, hey, we aren't just going to sit here and and just be dried out. We're going to make these moves. We're going to use the tactics, the the ammunitions, the the all the tools that we are given here, and we're going to make pushes. We're going to make stands. And I guess for Putin, that's definitely something where it's like, look, you were supposed to be making this shit look easy, quick, efficient, and then we we're going to be moving on. But we're not. We're stalling. And yes, this is definitely something that Russia in itself can do. But for, you know, a superpower like China, who is aligned with Russia, it's one of those things where you're making this harder for them. You know, they want to say, look, it's totally fine what they're doing. It's justified. And they also want to say this because it inevitably works in their favor for the Taiwan conversation, where it's like, look, if this is okay, then what we want to do is going to be okay. But essentially, this just looks bad. You know, we already have the Zoom situation I just referenced. You're having all these kind of stories drawn out, gone on longer and longer. And eventually you go, well, yeah, no one's going to want to fuck with us if we keep fucking with you. So the idea of Putin coming out and saying like, hey, you know, they do have concerns. They do have problems. That's not something that he wanted to say. That's not something that he would have said of his own volition. At least, you know, more or less that's expected and, and thought more or less has been like, look, you have to say this. Like, this is the concession that you kind of have to make here 
to to let everyone know that like look we are okay but we really would like to like see this wrapped up <laughs> why uh why is this going on so long what's going on what are you doing i i really don't think china really cares in terms of the actually meddling but you have to kind of say these things on the surface because china definitely goes on to say like you know or at least xi jinping goes on to say i believe like they've made gains so let's see Oh, no, Putin. Putin's saying this, but, I mean, it does go hand in hand. So, yeah, Putin stressed the deepening economic ties between China and Russia, noting bilateral trade exceeded $140 billion last year. I'm convinced that by the end of the year, we will reach uh, new record levels, and in the near future, as agreed, we will increase our annual trade turnover to $200 billion or more. Now... I, I, and a lot of news things I've seen, they've been really ta- like touting this stuff as like a W, like Putin is sweating, Putin is worried. Uh, like, I don't really think so. I think these are just formalities. I think it is one of those things where it's like it's just a part of the politics. You you got to say these things. And they're, they're going to keep doing business. I don't think anything's going to change. And also... America is kind of doing this their own tap dance situation because they're like, well, okay, they're not doing anything untoward, but yeah, no, they shouldn't be doing business together. Like, this shouldn't just be normal, everyday business. And, but I mean, it is. So, what are you going to do about it? And that's essentially what we're saying is like, well, we're not going to do anything, but like, we don't like it. <laughs> but at the end of the day, China stands to gain a lot in this whole relationship, especially right now. Because they're able to, we've kind of, once again, referencing other pods, but we, they have access to the oil, to resources, you know, energy resources that Russia has that they can't sell. They get to sell it, potentially do it third party, potentially just use it and then sell their own stuff. It just all works in their favor right now and they're getting it at a discounted rate. So at the end of the day, China's not mad at the shit, shit at all. They're, they're fine. <laughs> like, but it is like you don't want to have added sanctions. You don't want to have um, more beef internationally. You want to be able to trade and do as much normal shit as you can without having to do the old international reach around. But I did think it was an interesting thing to talk about and cover. So here we are. Uh, we can move on now. I have an update on... Um, you know, Project Mar-a-Lago, Project Mar-a-Lago Raid. I don't know. I haven't come up with a good funny name for it yet. But this is from the Associated Press. A veteran judge named a Special Master in Trump's document search. Let's see. So, who, what is his name here? Let me get it. Uh, Raymond J. Deary. Uh, he was one of the four that we had covered in a previous episode. Uh, it looks that, like... Um, FBI more or less said, hey, or not the FBI, I'm sorry, Department of Justice, yeah. They said, you know what, we like this guy, if you like this guy, that works. So, he's been okayed. Also, I I did like that this article goes on to not just talk about some of his credentials. Uh, They call him a jurist, but essentially just someone who's well-versed in law, what have you. But, I guess he's, you know, obviously had time on the court uh, he's a former federal prosecutor, uh, served as the chief judge of the federal court based in Brooklyn. Uh, but I mean, in a lot of ways, 
this all kind of lines up seemingly in Trump's favor. And also, too, with uh, the judge presiding over the case, I believe, like, Eileen Cannon. Sorry, my internet. You gotta love running a budget podcast on budget equipment. Um, Let's see. Yeah, U.S. District Judge Eileen Cannon. And this is a Trump-appointed judge, which, uh, don't get me wrong, I understand, you know, judges can be impartial and also, like, you can't necessarily say that there's bias here, but to me, the more I kind of wind up looking at the details of this, it does feel like there is a bias of sorts, but I mean, it is what it is. I'm sure there's no, there's not going to be any kind of way to reschedule this kind of stuff. And it does seemingly, it looks like it's just going to slow things down, but hopefully things are going to reach a conclusion that more or less it should. Now, granted, as much as I would like, you know, in my fantasy to see Trump see some charges, I don't know. I don't really think so. I don't think it's going to happen. I think at this point, it's just a conversation of, you know, will the Department of Justice wind up getting all the documents? Because, I mean, it's still up in the air whether or not they've actually seized them all. Um, you know, so obviously I definitely want to keep you guys posted. But uh, that was the pick that they landed on. So I figured they had to talk about it. Um, also, I think there might be some other stuff in terms of, like, I think they were trying to, like, get more access to the documents now that there is going to be a special master, and that's kind of been blocked by canon. So, it's one of those things where it's like, I can't, I can't say, like, oh, it's fishy, whatever, but it's just like, yeah, I mean, this is a, you know, conservative judge seemingly erring on conservative sides, I guess, I don't know, so, Let's see, some other news. This was uh, kind of some breaking stuff that happened this week. Got it from Yahoo News, the Associated Press. Uh, tentative labor deal averts threat of na- uh, nationwide rail strike. So this is some big news that popped up. I mean, one day, I think um, it was like maybe like Wednesday. I-, I hear like, oh, there's looking to be like a, a rail strike. And that would be a big deal. You know, essentially union workers saying like, hey, we aren't getting, you know, enough pay. But even so, it's more like uh, the attendance policy that's currently set up is way too stringent. You know, it's we're not able to even like take a day off to like take care of our child or go to the doctor. Like these are things that we need changed. And if we can't get them changed, we're going to go on strike. So... There was a deal that has been reached. I think it's just, but it's it's just been agreed to by the union leaders. So the union leaders have sat down with, um, let's see, I guess people of the rail industry, I believe maybe Amtrak. Um, but essentially they sat down with also, um, the labor department as well. And then even Joe Biden called, in like the middle of like dinner like prep and they're like he's like hey you know just checking in want to make sure this shit gets done jack you know gotta make some corn pop um but they were able to come you know to something that they could agree to but i do believe that it has to now be agreed like it's got to be voted on by like you know the rest of the union and then you know we'll know that this is all good to go i'm not entirely sure if i'm getting this right but uh, let's see if we can find some parts of 
what they got. I see here that there's a 24% pay raise. Then I believe that they also um, had, um, let's see. Oh, then, yeah, Retroactive 2020 also includes uh, $5,000 in bonuses. This is a five-year deal. Let's see. Railroad workers will now be able to take unpaid days off for doctor's appointments without being penalized, and they won't be penalized if they are hospitalized. Previously, workers would lose points under the attendance systems at BNSF and Union Pacific Railways, and they could be disciplined if they lost all their points. Now, the point system is something I kind of, you know, can relate to and get. I know in my my job we have an attendance point system policy and you know you have PTO that you accrue throughout a, a week and you use that as you know your days off but it's crazy that just what i just said here about you know the unpaid days off and stuff like that they had to fight tooth and nail just to get that like you had to get Biden on the line to get these people to be like oh okay yeah i guess i guess we can pay them more i guess I guess we can give them some days off. That's insane. Like, it shouldn't be like that. If this is so important, which it fucking is, these are railroads we're talking about. And not to mention, too, it's not just, like, it can be kind of, like, hard to maybe wrap that around because, like, the average person, a a train, railroad tracks, it's just something that's going to stall your day up. But, you know, honestly, these are the veins of America, in terms of freight, in terms of transportation, these are all very important. And if these are not operated on, then that damages the economy in a very massive way. And it's crazy already that there's so many things that are stacked up against the rail industry, honestly, by the people at the top of the rail industry, because they've done a lot of cannibalizing, a lot of like triage, essentially, to keep everything going and the trains to keep running, but on not as many people running them, so that they can line their pockets, more or less, from what I've gathered. Essentially, you know, for shareholders at the top to make some profits, they did a lot of trimming, a lot of cutting, and now it's the people at the bottom, the people who are actually working, they're like, look, you gotta give us something. You gotta give us at least this. And, um... I think that's more or less what we're landing on. I've heard that, like I said, it's not, you know, dried as, 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 I, as I know it. Now, also another thing that potentially could be an issue is, okay, let's say it does get accepted. Let's say you did manage to make this all happen. What if people do the situation where they just quit? They just say, fuck it, this isn't enough. Like, I know you're giving me, an, uh, quote unquote, enough money to do this job, but it's not worth it. Like, and I'm just going to go then what happens you know so it's spooky it's definitely intense but these are the things that are really important when it comes to our economy when it comes to our rights i think unions can often be looked at as like the bad guy sometimes because we want to just have the things that we need and we you know people just want to have their kids go to school why is there an issue but the people who teach the people who operate our railroads, like all these people, like they matter, they're human beings and they deserve to be treated like people. They deserve to have the same kind of, you know, work benefits that you have that I have, like if not more. So 
I definitely just think it's just something to think about, something to talk about. So I want to make sure I gave it some coverage, some light. And um, also, uh, big ups to Bernie. He, um, like, the Republicans were, like, looking to potentially stop a strike. Like, they were trying to, like, form an injunction because that's something that Congress can do. Which I'm like, my God, that's so crazy that the government can meddle and mingle into unions like that. I didn't even know that until, like, this week. But uh, Bernie was definitely one of the proponents against that. I think I said that right. Opponents against it, whatever. Let's just say that to be safe. And he was like, no, that's not happening. And um, did a speech and big nah. So luckily it didn't come to that. And um, hopefully this deal does work out. And hopefully it is something that people actually can say, yes, this is something. This is worth it. This was worth fighting for. You know, I, I really do hope for that. Um, and some more shitty news, though. I mean, I guess you can say maybe that's some potentially good news, the last one. But this is, this is gross. It's gross, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say to preface that I'm happy that some people at least stepped up in a moment. But I got it from the Insider. DeSantis sent 50 migrants to Martha's Vineyard by plane as an anti-liberal stunt. The locals pulled together to help them. So... This has been kind of an, an, I don't want to say an evolution because it's just more on, more on, um, from some morons, but essentially we've kind of alluded to it. I didn't really give it too much like direct coverage because in my head I was kind of like, this is just a stupid stunt. It's just silly. It's so goofy. And in some situations you're like kind of helping people, like you're getting them out of like a potentially hostile Southern area and maybe it's just a place that's like, hey, they can kind of disperse and just find them place. But definitely the more I've kind of thought about it, the more I've kind of seen in details. And then definitely after seeing what DeSantis did with this whole, you know, Florida charter shit, it's just been disgusting. And it, it definitely shows that it's like these things have really negative ramifications. And it's directly on the people who you're just more or less calling, quote unquote, illegals. Like you're just doing this as a stunt. And it. I don't know. We're, I'm going to try to like cover it and then share more thoughts on it, I guess. But essentially, uh, Ron DeSantis took credit for sending plane loads of my, my, migrants to Martha's Vineyard. Uh, this is like a little island off of Massachusetts. I didn't know that. Honestly, if you would have asked me this week where that was, I was like, what is that? Some place in like California, California. But um, no, apparently it is is an island in Dukes County, Massachusetts. So I learned that. And apparently Obama or the Obamas like own some property there. I think maybe even the Clintons. But it's like this nice little, you know, cozy little rich to do place. I think, gosh, there's a number here about how many people live there. Um, I want to say it's like 20,000, but I might be wrong. Um, hey, don't quote me, but, um, yeah, he sent them on like two charter planes and they arrived there and then they were told to like go to like, I guess there's like a community service area and he, they told him to walk like a couple miles down the way and they just left them there and they had a cameraman to like film and record this shit and they just did it for the views. They did it for the fucking clout. And, you know, there was DeSantis copping up saying like, well, you know, this is a problem that border towns and places face every day. And now we're, we're giving them a taste of it and they're freaking out. 
And it's like, dude, no one's freaking out, especially in the situations with Martha's Vineyard. They definitely all seem to like kind of rally together. Now, granted, I think they had like most of them in like this little church. Yeah, okay, it was 20,000 residents. Sorry, I finally found it. But um, they put them up in this little church. I think they only had like like one bathroom, one like shower area, I think, something like that. But they were at least able to give them food. I think they had them up in a little restaurant area and had people cook them food and stuff. So it was cool that people did rally to do something. Um, also, too, it's not covered in this article, but Greg Abbott also did a little another stunt. And he was, I feel like that was the first state that I saw pull this kind of action was Abbott. Uh, he sent a bus of migrants to the vice president's house, like her area in DC. And I'm like, okay. And I think they sent more arrive. I think more arrived today actually is what I was reading in like some of the today news. And I was like, this shit is silly. Like it's so dumb. But like I said, these people, like when you talk to them, they're like, yeah, like we were tricked more or less. There was a, they were in a, an asylum. I think they were initially Venezuelan, migrants and then they were moved from florida i believe to san antonio or somehow they wound up in a san antonio asylum but then there was a person who was more or less going around i guess you quote say quote unquote like recruiting and saying like hey we have like a sanctuary for you in massachusetts and you're gonna be okay there and there are people saying hey don't do it something's wrong here this seems really suspect seems really fishy but, um, you know, people who agree to it and you, and you have to think like, hey, if this is something that's going to get me out of the situation, if it's going to get me to something OK and I can I can make it work here or make it work there, then I'll do it. And so they get on this plane and they go. And the next thing you know, you're just here and they just drop you off. And now what? You know, anything could have fucking happened. And uh, I just think, why risk it? Why force it? Why treat these people like less than human? I think it's really fucked up. Um, also, I've heard, I think it was Eric Adams, you know, more or less came out too, because this has been something that's been affecting, you know, New York, and more or less saying, hey, like, if, if you know, you're making your point, your point's made. So tell us what to do. Tell us what you need to, like, have us help. Like, and I really feel like he meant it as not as, like, a, you know, don't say some condescending, like, you know, politicized bullshit. Like, what can we do? How do we, quote unquote, make this better? Um, I mean, I still think Adam's a piece of shit, but I don't know. I think it's really, the whole thing is gross, and I just don't see what it accomplishes other than it just gets you attention for an election in the future. Uh, but the sad thing is, Trump owns all these people. Like, not to say that I'm rooting for Trump in that situation, but there's just no doubt, like, he just calls DeSantis Miss Florida, like, and then says, like, some Meals on Wheels joke about fucking Greg Abbott, and it's over. They're toast. Like, it doesn't matter. They folded. So why do all this fucking bullshit? It doesn't help you. It doesn't help them. It doesn't hurt them enough anyway. It just makes a mess, and it just hurts people. But, you know, I'm sure they're going to do more of this shit in the future. I'm sure there's always ways to just fucking go harder, get more unhinged. Um... I love it. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let me hit my uh, my little break, and then uh, we'll wrap this up. We'll put a candle in this thing.
Ooh. All right. And we're back. Um, I got this from the AP News. Now, a little bit of preface here before I get into the title. Essentially, there was like a bomb, quote-unquote, I guess, bomb, explosion. I got to say that. And a staff member at North, I guess, uh, I think it's like Northeastern College, I believe, was injured in the blast. And there was a note that had this big rant going off against Mark Zuckerberg and virtual reality and I guess like the woes of it. But I guess I found a follow-up article, like I want to say maybe a day or so after, and goes a little something like, Officials probing whether Northeastern explosion was staged. So, essentially, the explosion I described to you, there, you know, upon some investigating, it's looked to seem like it just wasn't real. And the injuries that the employee sustained kind of allude to that. Also, they don't put in the employee's name in the article, they only put in a quote which I'll read. Um, I did not stage this. No way. Shape or form. They need to catch the guy that did this. Um, He told this to a newspaper, but it doesn't look like he responded to an email from the Associated Press. But it's looking like maybe this guy is maybe more suspect for this staged event, and, you know, maybe more details are going to come out. But I was like, okay, this is a little nugget, and um, wanted to talk about it, give a little coverage. But I definitely will have more for you this weekend, for sure. Definitely going to you know, drop another episode. I appreciate you sticking along if you've made it this far. Appreciate it. Love you. Love you lots. Um, if you don't mind, I got to do a little shilling before I go. I got a Patreon, patreon.com slash Isaiah News. Every $5 donation gets you Discord access, gets you a shout-out on the podcast. I will say your name. I do that, like, once a month. But then I will also do a new shout-out. Like, we can talk about whatever you want me to talk about. So, gives you the floor. You know, I'm just a little mouthpiece. So, uh, you know, that's on the table for you. A little thing there, a little treat. Um... Also, there's a free way to reach me, IsaiahNews1 at gmail.com. And I'm on all the socials. You just got to find me. I don't like going through all of them. It's a little bit of a rigmarole, if you ask me. But uh, I appreciate you sticking here and hanging out and listening and vibing with me. Um, Hopefully, I see you soon for some more good news. I love you. Bye-bye. Mwah.